0: Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to work for a clinic that places a strong emphasis on paying its staff well enough to remove money as a motivator? Can you imagine being part of a clinic that truly values personal and professional growth? How about being on a team where part-timers are valued and respected as members of the team? Well, stay tuned because you'll hear that and more in this, the final episode in the three-part series with Dr. Stuart Burrow of Vet Marlborough. You're listening to Paws, Claws and Wet Noses, the vet podcast celebrating all creatures great and small and the fantabulous professionals who look after them all. Paws Claws Wet Noses is powered by VetStaff, New Zealand's only specialist recruitment agency dedicated to helping veterinary professionals find jobs that they're excited about going to on Monday mornings. VetStaff.co.nz Welcome to episode 137. I am your show host, Julie South. Today, we had the final episode with Dr Stuart Burrow companion animal veterinarian and owner of Vet Marlborough, where we talk about the veterinary shortage and the strategies Vet Marlborough have implemented to help mitigate those shortages. In the last two episodes, Dr. Stewart has shared a different guiding principle that ensures Vet Marlborough is a great place to work and demonstrates that clinic as a people-first employer. Today, he shares another of his guiding principles, this one of paying people well enough so that money is taken off the table as a motivator. He also shares the mindset shifts he thinks are necessary and needed in veterinary business today for people to thrive so they can bring their best selves to work. We answer the question, what difference does training people really make and is it a cost or an investment? As I always recommend you do with series, start at the beginning, the first episode, to give you context and especially to hear, in this case, Dr. Stewart's other two guiding principles. You're looking for episodes 135 and 136. Both of those will give you the background for today's show and a much better insight into the life at Vet. Marlborough, which is located in Blenheim at the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you're a small animal veterinarian and you're looking for a change of pace, a change of scene, then especially listen to all three episodes with a view as to what it might be like for you to be working on Dr. Burrow's team. The vet staff team is privileged to be working with Dr. Burrow and Catherine at Vet Marlborough to find them their next small animal veterinarian. To thrive in this clinic, you'll be a veterinarian who's into providing best practice standards of care, being part of a team where everyone's supported to bring their best selves to work each day someone who wants to grow personally and professionally and who believes in utilising the professional skills of vet nurses in every way possible. If that sounds like you and you'd like to know more, then please get in touch with either Isabel or myself at vetstaff.co.nz to have a preliminary confidential chat. As a quick recap for the last two episodes, in the first episode, Dr. Burrow has talked about his passion for innovation and medical advancements. And in the second episode, the steps he put into place to ensure all Vet Marlborough nurses are utilised to their fullest potential. And today's conversation picks up where I ask him about the skills he discovered he needed but wasn't taught while studying at Massey for his veterinary degree, as a manager and a leader of a team, you've obviously learnt a lot of skills, people skills that weren't taught to you in Massey at Massey. <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: What That's sure. What has been the most interesting? You can take that how you want the most interesting people people lesson skill that you have now that you may not have had then.
1: Yeah, I I think probably understanding about different personality types, and there's so many sort of different classification systems, whether you use Myers-Briggs or, you know, the colors or the animals models or whatever. But I think initially when you have a relatively small team you tend to recruit people that are like you and you know it's it's natural that we are attracted to people that are, are like ourselves and that you know works to agree it, 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 it makes it relatively easy because you all get along because you all think the same but as you grow you tend to develop greater diversity of, of your people and and that can have its challenges, but it, the positive side is is that it brings in greater diversity of of thought and and people that have different ideas to your own and look at things in a different way, and that can be very refreshing. It can be challenging, but coming with that is the need to develop an understanding that not everybody is like you and different personality types have their strengths and weaknesses and there are different ways to communicate with them to get the best from them. So I think that's been one of the most valuable things that we've, we've looked at is understanding those personality types, both in terms of how you manage your staff, but it's also understanding how you Communicate with your clients as well. You know the people that want all the all the technical information from others that that just you know tell me what what's the bottom line and get on with it sort of thing. So yeah, I think that's been a a, a valuable part of understanding people and and how they tick and, and and why they are different from you.
0: Talking about different people, we're in the the throes the middle. Hopefully, we're coming through the end of it, but I don't know about a global veterinary shortage.
1: That's for sure. Yes. Do you
0: have any? Why? Okay, I'm going to throw. Why do you? How do you think we've got to this position? And then, how do you think we can get out of it?
1: Yes. Well, if I had those answers, <laughs> I think a lot of people are searching, but uh, I. There's, there's been a lot of factors involved, but essentially too many people have been leaving the profession for, and we haven't been training enough people to fill those roles. And uh, it was refreshing to hear that Massey uh, uh, have had approval to significantly increase their, their intake and, and training, but it's one thing to attract and, and, and train people into the profession, but we actually need to do a much better job of retaining them. And there's been far too many young people that, that leave the profession prematurely. And I, I, I think there's been a number of reasons for that. And I mean, the, I guess that as a profession, we've, we've been relatively poorly paid. Part of that is that we undervalue ourselves and then we practices, you know, compete with one another on on price and it's you know, it's a race to the bottom. So that hasn't helped, along with, you know, the long hours that are expected and and sometimes, you know, poor employment conditions and poor employers that don't value and look after their staff or and don't uh, you know to have good induction programs and support and training for new graduates and and so on, and then there are the the, the changes in client expectations of as people's pets have become regarded more as family members and the, the fur babies and child substitutes that people, while it's had its benefits, that they'll you know spend. Anything on them to to treat them. Sometimes their expectations in terms of what is possible or what's best for the pet is unrealistic. So then, the vets are put in that horrible position of of you know wanting to do what's best for the animal, and the client wants them to to do this and prepared to throw anything at it. After hours has always been a, a problem for the profession. It's stressful. People are on their on their own and it does interfere with family life and the worry about, well, will I be able to deal with this emergency? I mean, it's been alleviated in the larger centers with specialized after-hours clinics, but in a place the size of Blenheim, it's it's not feasible or economic to to have a dedicated after our centre. I mean, we have discussed with the Veterinary Council, you know, the opportunities and and they consider that the likes of an hour and a half drive over to Nelson would is not unrealistic when you look at what's happening in the medical field. But for us at the moment to expect a client to drive over the Fongamoa Hill on a frosty winter's night to Nelson would seem untenable. But I mean, we we have addressed that with running a shared after hours service with another mixed practice. So it's enabled us to have shared rosters with both a large animal roster and a companion animal roster separately because it's very stressful for pets if they're working in an area in an emergency that they're not used to practicing in regularly. And we have introduced a, a, an after hours triage service so that our after hours calls are actually Answered by trained vet nurses working out of the Auckland after-hours centre, and they triage the calls and and deal with those initially, and just pass on the genuine emergencies to our on-call vets. So, so that's been a big help. I'm I'm pleased also getting back to the the training side of it, where until recently, Massey has selected just based on academic performance and. And that has been simple because it's, it it can't easily be challenged. There's a you know there's a mark, and above that you get in, and below it you don't. But that doesn't always select the people that are most suited to career as a, a veterinarian and the demands of it and the the, the personality characteristics and resilience and so on that's necessary to cope with all those things that, that are thrown at you in the day-to-day life of a vet. So I am pleased to see that there is a move towards interview and and selecting people that are hopefully going to be more suitable to, to that career. So I think that's an important step to recognise that you need more than just academic ability to be a good fit and cope with the, the pressures that, that do come with the Korean.
0: One thing I would like to see is there are, I, this is life according to Julie, there are right now the majority of veterinarians in New Zealand are female. And because yeah. women have babies, it means that there will be a point in their professional life if they want to be a mum where they need to step back, be a mum. And most of them struggle to get back into veterinary life because clinics see them more as a liability than as an asset because they're only part-time or they can only work school hours. I think that if a clinic was able to take on more of those part-time vet parents, it would relieve, you know, they just want to come back and have adult conversations, maybe just one or two days a week and it would work for them. And if you've got, I know it's simple but not easy. If you have five, five vet part-time vet parents working in a clinic, that's like another one person Mm. or or two Mm -hmm. people. And it will help relieve the the shortage, the pressure in clinic, and it will allow those highly skilled Professionals to to stay and work and contribute meaningfully the way they've been trained, hmm.
1: and and in fact that is exactly who the majority of our team are now, and and they are often the vets that had had started working with us and have had maternity leave and come back, or people that have moved into the area. But it, recently, it was. Only myself as the director, Mark, who's a, a shareholder and our new graduate, were the only vets that were working full time, <laughs> and it, it 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 was it took quite a, a a I guess a shift in mindset and initially with managing the continuity of work and handover of cases and so on, but that's about systems and communication, and and that can be developed and and. Yes, that's sort of been a move that we have made because we've recognised that that's the best way that we can attract and retain talent. It's a matter of having to be more flexible around working hours. So while most of our, our team do work full days when they work, some do work flexible hours to fit around schooling and so on or but other times we'll work an evening clinic when their partner's at home and so on but I think you just have to be creative and flexible and yeah the 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 positives of bringing those people back into the workforce and as part of the team are are immense and and as I said you can overcome the logistics and communication um, patient continuity without too much trouble.
0: It's good to hear. Let's wind back to 1997, and you were thinking about opening your own clinic. What would you say, what would Dr. Stewart today say to that man, Mm -hmm. knowing what you know now? Yes, I mean, at that
1: that time, well, it was really it was going to be the, the merging of two practices and that sort of fell over at the 11th hour. And so then three of the four of us sort of resurrected that a bit further down the track and planning and, and building a, a 400 square metre purpose built clinic was actually you know a major undertaking at that stage there weren't many purpose built vet clinics around it was sort of mostly a you know a converted house on a street corner or whatever so we actually had quite a lot of you know vets would travel from various parts of the country to come and have a look through the clinic so it was a it was a big bold step but i think if you've got you know the conviction and you you believe you know we saw the the value of having a complementary skills and a larger practice and being able to be open seven days and all of those things having you know dedicated equipment and providing those more specialized services so it's it's having the confidence in backing yourself it is a big commitment financially initially to do that and I guess one of my regrets was that we we did lose some good staff because we probably couldn't afford to pay them well enough because cash flow was pretty tight in those those early days but i think one of the important things and and something that i have always done is investing in in expertise and and in the way of either coaching or mentoring or specialist services so bringing in people we have a an independent board member on our management board who's really sort of our financial advisor you know we mentioned investing in leadership we've invested a lot in people to come in and, and and train but I think yeah business advisors because you don't know all of that stuff and there's a lot more in the way of resources of people that are out there to to help with training and coaching now uh, that's uh, I think, a really important investment to help you develop and and, and move forward and not get bogged down in your own little world and not looking out at the opportunities. You know, I'm still mentioned that after 40 years, I'm still loving being a vet. You know, I think that the culture that we have developed around valuing our staff and wanting to reward them appropriately, you know, expecting high standards in our, our clinical care and, and in our professional standards is something that's really paid off that we we do value employing very good people. And an important principle I've, I've learned is not to be afraid of employing people that are better than yourself, and in fact, that's the 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 way that you can can move ahead. You know, while I've always you know operated on my own pets and wanted to treat them myself, I've, we've got a a fantastic team, and it is because of that following that principle of of always trying to employ the the best people and and otherwise train them to be the best people and being surrounded by those people makes for a a much stronger team
0: somebody said to me once years ago we were talking about training your team and they said to me but what if i train them what if i spend money and i train them and they leave or what if you don't and they stay (laughs)
1: yeah no exactly and i i had a conversation with a another practice owner recently who was asking us about the the Lincoln program, the, the lead to succeed that we were doing, which is you know it, it, it's not cheap it's a, a three-year program and there's a lot involved in it and he he was struggling. he was keen but his business partner you know saw the, the dollars and said, oh but we can't afford to to spend that And I just said to him, Look, you can't afford not to spend that money for the value and the benefit that you will bring back to your practice. You know, it's an investment; it's not a cost, and that's how I've always seen training and development as it's an investment in the future. And sure, people may move on, but if you if if you don't train them, then you know, the, as you say, they 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 may stay, or the, you're just not going to get the the value and um, even if you do spend money on training them and they do move on you've had value from them in the time and i uh, think they will will value and appreciate that and in the same token that we employ people that other people have, have invested in training but for the organization and, and moving forward people need a career path they need and want to, you know, to invest in their their future and their training and development, and I see that as an important responsibility of being an employer.
0: We are working with quite a few vet, mostly vets, at the moment, who none of them are in your part of the world, unfortunately, who are looking to to move on because they don't believe that their employer wants to invest. In them, they, you know, they've reached, they've got to the end of their road now, and they need more training. They want more training. They're ready to give it a go, but every time they ask, they get a big fat no. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So they, and unfortunately, it means that those clinics are going to lose amazing mm. people for a, yeah. for the for a sake of a few thousand bucks.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not just the money value either. I mean, I think if people are. Uh, my belief is that you pay well people well enough that money is taken off the table as a motivator and then it's all those in, intrinsic motivators and, and things like investing in people, having a career path, having some autonomy, those are the things that are important. Yeah, it, it's sad that employers may not necessarily see that and, and if somebody reaches a A plateau and they don't see that they're developing or learning more then yeah it's a common reason for them to want to move on
0: what do you think is this the type of clinic you'd like to be on if so please get in touch with either Isabel or me, Julie, at vetstaff.co.nz. I'll put the contact, our contact information in the show notes page where you're listening to this episode. So scroll down on whichever app you're at and it should be there. Now, changing the subject. I announced last week that... I'm excited, I am, to let you know that Paws, Claws, Wet Noses is rebranding to the Vet Staff Podcast. Why the change? This is because the Vet Staff Podcast will better reflect our dedication to supporting exceptional vet clinic employers like Vet Marlborough, whom you heard from today with their recruitment marketing. Our mission is to help great employers shine online to strengthen their recruitment and employer brand marketing strategies so that they can be found by veterinary professionals with matching values who are looking to make their next career move. If you're one of our loyal Paws Claws Wet Noses podcast followers Thank you. I promise the transition is absolutely seamless and that's because the RSS podcast feed remains the same. So new episodes will just continue to appear in your podcast feed like they do right now. You don't need to do anything at all except keep an eye out for the updated branding. The Vet Staff podcast is dedicated to the vet clinics that prioritize their people and the professionals who aspire to work for them. The other announcement that I made last week and am thrilled to do do so again this week is to introduce our exciting new leadership and personal development program designed exclusively for nurses, for vet nurses. And it starts off with the head vet nurses. It's about developing nurses as the leaders that they already are and your head nurses and the potential leaders you already have on your team. We'll be covering mindset, attitude, conflict resolution, empowerment, personal responsibility and a whole bunch more. Tanya from vet staff has already been working one-on-one in clinic with nurses. This is one of the things that we offer all our vets and nurses when we find, when they find their next job with vet staff. And the feedback that we've received, that we've got, that we've been having, receiving, has been amazing. She's been showing nurses who, how to reframe negative situations into positive ones, how to break negative bad habits and create new positive and empowering ones, and how to handle conflict in a way that doesn't get your heart rate going off the scale or you breaking out into a cold sweat. Leading the program is Tanya Bruce. Back in the day, she worked as a head ortho vet nurse in a small animal clinic. She re-qualified to become a life coach and is now on the vet staff's team, working alongside clinics, helping them develop their employer brand so they can shine online. I'll be working alongside Tanya so you'll benefit from my experience as well which is a life and business coach and the employer brand marketer. Both of us are ready to guide your nursing team so your clinic can start shining online as a clinic that's a great place to work. To find out more you can get hold of me at julie at vetstaff.co.nz. And then finally have you checked out the Revive Your Drive two-minute videos designed to help you and your team zhuzh up your mental health? There's a whole stack of video shorts, just two minutes, They're Revive Your Drive videos. They are bite-sized tips on managing conflict in the workplace, prioritizing workloads and how to achieve work-life balance or work-life balance. Blend and a whole bunch more. You can find them at vetclinicjobs.com forward slash resources. And remember also, if you'd like your clinic to shine online because you're a good employer like Dr. Stuart Burrow has talked about with Vet Marlborough, then please get in touch with me. I know I've given you a lot of information today. You can find all the links and email addresses I've mentioned in the episode notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening right to the end. I really do appreciate that you've spent the last 30 minutes or so of your life with me. Thank you. I love it when I hear from listeners. So please feel that you can email me anytime with feedback and or critique. This is Julie South signing off and inviting you to go out there and be the most fantabulous version of you you can be. Kia kaha, ka kite anu, God bless. Paws, Claws and Wet Noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of Vet Staff, it's New Zealand's only full-service recruitment agency dedicated to the veterinary sector. VetStaff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, VetStaff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.nz